Hello and welcome to the TD Cinex Microsoft Channel Discussions podcast. My name is Phil Clark. I'm an independent IT consultant, work very closely with uh, both TD Cinex and Microsoft on discussing general channel to- topics, try and inform partners on what's going on in the Microsoft Channel, and make sure they're aware. Very lucky today because I've got both Microsoft and TD Cinex on the same podcast, which is very exciting. Trying to control them could be quite interesting. So uh, welcome to David Keeler and James Marshall. You're right, guys. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thank yep. you. Thank you for having Afternoon, us. Afternoon, Phil. Excellent. So um, purpose of today, we're really going to try and focus on a concept of accidental Azure, which is you know a, a thing that Dave and I have been talking about for a while. Um, and I think we've all got a bit of an opinion on it. But before we do that, probably worth doing some brief introductions for those of you who have not met uh, Dave and James. So, so do you want to do it in order, Dave? Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so thanks, Phil. Uh, yeah, David Keeler. I'm the Azure Business Manager at TD Cynics UK. So for my sins, I uh, get to head up uh, the go-to-market strategy, the partner enablement, and the uh, general um, you know, business around Azure for TD Cynics UK. Perfect. Thanks, Dave. James? Uh, yeah, hi. I'm James Marshall. I, um, I have the, the pleasure of now being Azure Success Manager uh, at Microsoft in the UK. Been uh, in the partner ecosystem with partners for a long time. Uh, now, but for the last feels like feels like forever. I've been looking at Azure and how to make partners successful with that. Tremendous, thanks, Jane. So, and I think it's sort of interesting role title relevant to what we're talking about here. I mean, so we have been discussing for a while partners who accidentally fall into Azure workloads and end up running them on behalf of their clients. And and, and Dave, you've probably got a stronger way of articulating what we mean by this i mean do you want to just explain what you mean by accidental azure and then we can talk about the implications yeah sure thing phil um yeah i mean accidental azure is is something that well i'd like to think i came up with it but i'm sure it was out there before me um but from working with partners and customers over the last three or four years in microsoft csp land um there was this trend that I, i wanted to put a name on where basically you either inherit an azure um part of business part of you know a bit, a bit of consumption from a customer because they already had it going or you actually go to market reactively with something in azure so basically you end up in a situation where you've you, you you're supplying azure you can you know you, you're supplying a service you're supplying a product you're getting revenue from that accidentally so you, you haven't created a go-to-market strategy around it you've often never involved anybody but the sales team in it you know so the business as a whole hasn't taken any conscious decision to go hey let's sell this thing um you know i would almost compare it to a fishmonger that all of a sudden decides to be a diy shop just (laughs) because you can buy some wood and sell it in the same shop perhaps that wasn't the best idea um and generally it's driven by an end customer request hey can you sell me azure is the question and it's the answer is oh i I can sell it you yes so that then happens and untold challenges can then spawn out of that i I think we need to keep the fishmonger and wood uh, analogy going through the the whole podcast if that's all right so i'm excellent with analogies phil i i I have a (laughs) litany of them (laughs) The other one I was going to use is just because you can get to the top of Snowden in a pair of flip-flops, you might get away with it. You might not. You know, so, you know, it's, been a long it's, week, Dave, it? it's not recommended. You can tell we're recording this on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and James, I suppose, you know, in the context of what, what Dave just explained, I mean, I can imagine a lot of partners have fallen into this over time. Maybe it's less 
prominent now than it was? I mean, you, you get a view across multiple partners, as does Dave. Have you got a view on, so from Microsoft's perspective, what the implications of this are? I mean, look, I think, I think the 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 analogy, you know, we we could debate, right? But the but the point is right. You know, when you become a CSP partner, you kind of get access to the whole catalog, and when your customers are asking you for something and you can sell it, you're not going to say no necessarily because it's money in the bank for you. And there are definitely examples of, of partners where, like you say, customers have come along with, you know, some burning platform, a hard disk has gone in a server, something's gone wrong. You, you know, you can imagine the scenarios. We, you know, we need to get back to business quickly. Let's just stick it in the cloud for now. Let's spin up a VM. Let's do whatever, right? And there's a difference between reacting to that and and solving that immediate problem that the customers come to you with, and then intentionally going to market to sell Azure solutions and services. And what ends up happening is those partners acquire a couple of customers that they've picked up along the way, um, and they're just billing them every month. Just you know, here's your here's your bill for you know two hundred bucks, whatever. Uh, and they never really look to grow that customer. They never really look to check in on that. It's just a bill that gets generated. By that point, the customer probably maybe doesn't even realize what they're paying for uh, or understand the, you know, the implications of it. And so it just forms this long tail within the partner of you know, stuff that's easily overlooked. Um, and of course, you know, that has some potential upside because they're customers that you could go back to and grow. But also there are some you know, potential risks there in terms of, you know, those customers, while they're only spending a small amount, they're on Azure by accident, uh, almost. It, they need governance and due diligence done to them, and they need to have security baselines in place. And you know, you you should look after them as if they're spending a lot more. So um, it is something that I think you're right. It perhaps is happening less and less as more and more partners really show a, a strong desire to grow Azure practices more intentionally. But there are definitely loads of customers out there where, yeah, they're they're you know on Azure by accident, but with a huge opportunity to do more. Mm. And I think you know it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's lots of ways of building a business. You know, you you can be a fishmonger and sell wood, for instance. Um, but you, you know, but you, you'll make money, but you clearly don't have the necessary skills. I mean, it, the problem you've got, I suppose, is is with technology. It changes so quickly. Sometimes you do genuinely need to be reactive. Um, and just grab opportunities when they come to you rather than having a beautifully formed business plan. And I know that's a little bit counterintuitive in some cases, but, you know, is it okay to do this? I mean, you know, I suppose you can save yourself a lot of training and a lot of thought time and just dive in and then fix it afterwards. I mean, have you seen any good news stories or reasons why this could work? Dave? Um, yeah, well... I mean, yeah, I mean, J James hit the nail on the head before. The, 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 the difference between, you know, fishmongers and selling wood and, and getting access to the entire CSP proposition is that once you're in there, you've got access to the whole thing. There's not a, there's not a limit on what you can do with that platform. It's not as, as if you, um, you know, because it's the first time you've gone in there, that there's like a barrier of the amount that you can do or there's additional safeguards put on you because you're a first-time user. Um so I would say, you know, yes, while in one, one hand, you know, to grow a business, um, you, you know, you will sell 
and supply what you're being asked for. So it does make sense to be reactive, but at least to start off with the very minimum of, of, of you know, security baseline. At least protect yourself and your customer um, to start with. Same as if you, you know, again, analogies, but you got a house, first thing you do, you lock the front door. Make sure there's a lock on the door, right? You know, it doesn't require much skill. Um, it, it, it's something that's quite easy to do. And and we as a, a trusted, uh, you know, a partner can can help with that quite simply. Um, so once you've taken it from there and then move on, you know, as James said, you've when you've got a, a, a customer consuming as you're accidentally, you're probably not doing a, you know, any optimization with that. You're not talking about the next workload. You don't even know what it is. That could come later, but at least stopping bad actors being able to get into that um, that uh, subscription and that environment from day one because you've got a shared admin password, you know, you know, with 20 people have been emailed it. Probably not the right way to start because just because you got 100 pounds a month going through that subscription. That that's no barrier, no upper limit on that. If if you were attacked, you know. So, um, yeah. So so it's 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 yeah. That so that would be my advice. You, you can do this, but at least be aware that you know, and as a minimum, look at the security element of it, and and then go back around it. So you can take the business on, but review it. Don't leave it there for two years um, without any consideration over what it was you were doing or what else you can do with it. I suppose the thing I'm sort of grappling with is, as I said, technology moves really quickly. So there's probably a tipping, but you could you could have spent your whole life training yourself up on, you know, really old technology that then just gets moved on and moved behind, and then you've wasted all that time and money training your engineers. And, and certainly things like Azure, which you know never stands still, no. it, it's it's quite difficult to be up to speed on everything all the time in case something comes in. So you know what what is the point at which you decide right okay i'm going to get into azure now or i'm going to get into this particular bit of azure and be an expert you know when when do you start thinking through those sorts or make those decisions as a business because clearly you can't be experts in everything but you want to be able to attract as much money in as possible you, you see what i'm trying to say is it's just finding a balance i mean james you got a view yeah i mean i think azure's so much now there's so many different like technology domains within it that you can't know everything um, and you can't be good at everything and you can't sell everything but conversely there are some things that everybody who does look to use azure should know uh security baselines are a really good example of that right like before you know, it doesn't matter whether you're going to go and land infrastructure or you're doing app development and modernization whether you're working with data whatever you're doing security transcends everything right so that's one of those things that everybody should know but when you're thinking about, hey, you know, we've got a few customers of ours that have expressed an interest in Azure. Maybe we should think about turning this into a thing that we do. You've got to think about what do you want to be good at? What do you want to be known for? What do you do today? You know, you're probably not starting up from scratch. You've probably been selling something for a while. What's been working really well for you? And so how do you translate that into the cloud? Or, you know, if you know over the next sort of five, 10 years or whatever, you want to transform yourself from something today to something else, you know, maybe more managed services or creating IP or whatever you want to do, and then plot out what are the things within Azure that we need to be good at? Like, we don't need to go and learn about IoT if we're going to be doing, you know, SQL Server migrations or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to go and learn everything. 
You just have to go and learn the bits that you need to get you on the journey. And then over time, you might think, right, we've nailed this practice and we see an opportunity to go and land this other thing, either within our customers or, you know, into the wider market. We're now going to go and learn this next practice. But that might come at a time when you're then able to invest in people or invest in the skills to do that. But, you you know, if you're starting off with like one pre-sales technical person, you know, who's kind of like the technical person in your business, like they, they can't know everything and they can't stay up to date with everything. And goodness knows they'd spend all day in exams if they had to. So it's just about figuring out, like I said, you know, what do you want to be known for? What are you good at today? How do you start that? you know, augmenting your current business model with Azure in those right areas. And then you kind of expand from there as the, you know, as the opportunity presents itself. But uh, yeah, there's, uh, you, as I said, there's things that everybody should know as well. And I think things like security, good governance and cost control would be another example. Like mm-hmm. they're just really good hygiene things to know and be good at that aren't necessarily too complex. Like security is a whole domain, right? Like in itself, but like, baselines are not particularly complex like making sure people aren't sharing passwords that they've turned on multi-factor authentication you know those kinds of things like you don't need to be a a security expert to know how to turn those things on i just think that helps it's interesting isn't it because a lot of the things you're describing as a sort of foundational layer are probably good practice in modern work in the same way they are in azure yes so so you know you, you it's just applying the same general principles but maybe on a slightly broader scope then, yeah, you know, and I can imagine obviously CSP partners, we CSP partners for a reason, and most, most of them will be because they're modern work partners. So it's this example where if someone turns around to you and says, I've got a bit of Azure, can you run it for me? As long as you are good at the basics in the modern work, security, cost control, all the things that you just mentioned, James, then actually it shouldn't be too bad, albeit there probably is some basic level of training in Azure that, and how those hygiene factors are applied that needs to be adopted. Is that a sort of a fair summary, do you think? Dave? I think so. Yeah, Feel yeah, like absolutely. It? No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fundamental blocks like that um, are not, you know, unique to Azure. These are just good practice with anything. Uh, I often compare some of the, some, especially on the security side of things, to how you would handle um, a mobile phone with, with either yourself or with a child. You wouldn't just hand an unlocked, unlimited, phone to anybody and go crack on but yet somebody will do that with an azure subscription so it's got nothing really to do with azure it's got to do with that you know just that baseline governance of how you would deal with something like this that's you know you know in the in the uh, you know in the ether it's not something you can lock down with a physical padlock in 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 your uh, you know in front of you so uh, just to take good practice of that and this and, and there there is still unbelievably reluctance to enforce mfa which mm. you know we have, we, we all have uh, apps on our phone that have they've they've taken the decision to enforce MFA and we, we're not up in arms about that. We're like, yep, yeah, that's fine, yep, yeah, no worries, and we tick, you know, accept or delete the app, and that's it. We get on with our lives. But yet, for some reason, some people, um, end customers, and and from a reseller point of view, are reluctant, let's say, to go whole hog and and do the same, you know, that they would have for Facebook with an Azure subscription which I find quite interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> insane. You know. If you think about it like that, especially if you're running other people's tenants and you haven't got that sort of level of security, that's... The duty of care cool. is on the CSP reseller. 
you know, they're the service provider. It's yeah, I think it raises there's a there's definitely something we don't talk about. And by the way, forgive me if you can hear my aircon in the background now, but it's thirty degrees in my shed as I'm as I'm recording this. Um, of like, what what's a good cloud customer to have? You know, because while I'm very opportunity focused, I love the idea of being able to solve customer problems and see partners be profitable with it. But that's not necessarily every customer. Because Dave, to your point, like. If you're the kind of customer that doesn't even want to turn on basic MFA to secure your environment, then you've got to say as the partner, like, are they the kind of customer you want? You know, like, yeah. are, they, are they the kind of customer that's really taking this seriously? Or are they the one that at three o'clock in the morning, six months from now, have a cyber breach because somebody in their organization clicked on a phishing email and now suddenly there's a $300,000, you know, bunch of crypto mining running or something? Like, you know, do you want that liability? And that's not to scare people, but like, there is that basic contracting of like, hey, you know, you want to get your services from us. You want us to help you. We want to help you. But in order for us to do that, we've got to kind of agree on like some just basic things here. It's like when you're going to like hiring a car, right? Like they're like, you're going to wear a seatbelt. You're going to take the, you know, the collision weight, damage yeah. waiver. You know, you're going to do these things. And if you're not going to do all those things, guess what? You're not going to have the car. Hmm. It's, you know, I think it's, totally it, it takes, it's brave, right? To turn away a customer because they're hard fought. But I think in this world, you've got to recognize what's, a, what's, a, what's someone you can work with and someone you maybe shouldn't work with. And, and this all smacks to planning your journey to acquire Azure customers being a good example at, you know, on your own terms, within your own service models, having thought through it first rather than just accidentally acquiring a customer. And you know, on, on your own terms being a key point, you know, the commercial terms and flow downs and making sure you've got, you know, limits of liability for certain things you know based on certain uh attributes that customers are, are fulfilling that's pretty basic but actually probably not that many people think about it especially at the smaller end of the market from a contractual perspective um so you so you know it's a really good example of why it's dangerous to to be an accidental as your partner um because you could just end up running stuff that you know, for 50 dollars a month that, that could give you a three hundred thousand dollar liability because you haven't thought through how to protect yourself against that sort of thing. I mean, do I, is that like, do you see that much? I don't know, you probably can't talk about any specific examples, but it happens. Yeah, it, it happens. Yeah, it happens because, and especially after COVID as well, there's a big explosion of people obviously spinning stuff up and an explosion of accidental luxurists during the COVID period. And the, and at the same time, the enterprise customer set was hardening their security adding even more layers of protection in their proactive maintenance and they had mfa you know 10 years ago so where are you going to attack you're going to attack this new pot of you know newly set up not 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 even got the fundamental security set up in there you know but i don't want to turn this into just a security conversation but yeah th th that can happen because you've got access to the whole of azure through that one portal it needs to be locked down and imagine that you, you you leave your front door open, but instead of your front door and just your house, you've got all your friends' stuff in your house and safety deposit boxes everywhere. And once you're in, you can do whatever you like in there, you know. So, uh, so a bit you know a bit of care needed there. And the funny thing with all this is that, you know, and, and James will I'm sure will agree that just the very as your fundamentals as a step in your very basic entry level AZ nine hundred level you know training covers all of this 
you know, and uh, I find all too often you'll, you'll actually, partners will often leapfrog that and go, you know, and they'll, they'll start doing a bit of a jaw reactively. They'll train up some um, admins to manage it for the customer and miss the foundation. So the house is built, the roof's on, second floor's going in, nobody put a foundation in, you know, so it, it, it could stand up fine for a while. <laughs> but can also come crashing down with everybody inside. Um, and, and honestly, that, that's, that's one of my strongest things that I speak to partners about. Make sure, don't, don't go doing an AZ, AZ104 admin or an expert level course. Have you, have you done the foundations? Have you done the mm. fundamentals? And, and is the business geared up? From an invoicing point of view, you know, from a service desk management point of view, you know, all these things that they already have in place. Um, nobody bothered mentioning how how has your bills come through to finance the, the mm. first time the, you know and it's like it just you know not little things but you know I, I've I've had plenty of conversations with partners after many months or even years of transacting where they don't know if they're making any money mm. now yeah. what an interesting question from a from somebody I don't know if I'm making money on this it's like well it's your business well yeah and it's, and it's all inexcusable isn't it because there's so much like say uh, training courses and the foundation stuff is just available for free to partners either supported by disney or direct from microsoft i mean james you must have a view on what's what are the basic things things that a partner should really be thinking about in terms of doing preparing themselves for an azure workload from a customer i think skills is obviously important and like you say the azure fundamentals is fundamental it's foundational like you you know if you're going to be if you're going to be even considering Azure, you need to have folks who have done even just that basic level. And then obviously you need to look at the right training pathways from there. But I think you've got to think about how you make an investment in the cloud business valuable, meaningful, you know, to the to the end customer. What And you've got to link it to what is the business problem or opportunity you're solving using cloud services and how do you explicitly show that link every time you talk to the customer every time you're reviewing your service every time you're dealing with support like how do you make them remember and feel the value that they're going to get from azure or you know the combined solution of the various different clouds that you're going to take to the customer because the amount will vary but let's use a fictitious example you know if they're uh, IT spend every year is, I don't know, £250,000, okay, on every, on every bit of IT that they do. If you're only getting about five, six, £700 a month of Azure services, you know, as a proportion of their IT spend, it's not very meaningful. It's not enough necessarily that they're going to particularly care, you know, about it. And you're probably not capturing all of the value that you could be if you're sort of thinking about the next workload, the next project, that kind of thing. And so I think when you're thinking about how you go to market, you've got to be thinking about what are those business challenges that you're good at solving? How do you solve them using Azure services? And then how do you, how do you connect those worlds within the customer so that they care about being on the cloud as well? They, they want to come with you on that journey and you can become that trusted advisor. You can build that roadmap of, right, we're going to 
modernize this thing to solve that problem. And then we're going to help your business grow by doing this project to access that opportunity. And, you know, you build out this multi-year plan almost of all the cool things you're going to help them do, prioritized to what their business needs to help them, you know, be successful. You know, and, you, and you're almost like creating your pipeline, like, for the next few years for you, like, just by having a bit of vision mm -hmm. up front. Whereas if you're always on the back foot of like, oh, right, uh, yeah, we, we can probably get you a server in six months or we can do you a cloud migration next week. Let's do that. And then thank you very much or whatever. You, you know, if it's always a bit frenetic and, and reactive, you're not creating that. You're not installing yourself as that trusted advisor. You're not sort of creating that permission to take them on that journey. And I'm saying all of this, like, I know not every customer is that mature. I know not every opportunity is going to un un unlock that kind of relationship. But if you don't go into it with that mindset, then you'll only ever be selling point project things and only ever getting little bits of, of revenue, little bits of upside to your business. And it doesn't become meaningful to you either. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because all this is pointing to a reseller or a, a, you know, a service provider um, consciously deciding which bit of technology they want to focus on such that they can support that journey. Because you know, customers will buy cloud stuff ranging from SaaS-based accounting packages down to a VM in the cloud you know, infrastructure. You know, if you want to get into the SaaS-based accounting package, you're going to need to go and learn about that. But you're never going to be able to run the full gamut of everything that's going to be in the cloud over the next five to 10 years. So you know, knowing what you want to be famous for, like you said at the start, is, is really key. And, and partners need to consciously make that decision. You know, clearly, big topic of conversation is AI at the moment and you know, Gen AI, AI and those sorts of things. And Azure's all over that, obviously. Um, the chances are, I'm guessing, there's going to be lots of accidental, accidental AI people. You know, customer turns around and says, I've got this LLM that I need you to run for me. You know, can you get involved? And some sales guy is going to say, "Yeah, that'd be great. I'll do that." And then all of a sudden, they're configuring a workload that publicizes their full SharePoint site and all the other stuff that's based on Azure to the public cloud. I mean, it, you know, it, it's those sorts of things. I think people have got to get their head around. I'm guessing. And it, it, I mean, it, it, is it that simple? Just make your mind up on what you want to be known for and focus on that. I think. I mean, without oversimplifying it, I think that's a large part of it is knowing knowing what you can do and knowing what you can't do yet. Yeah, I think mm. that I think that's it. And it's always yet, right? That whole growth mindset thing. It's not saying you'll never be able to deliver these outcomes to your customers. It's just that, hey, you know, maybe let's crawl before we run a marathon, right? Like let's 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 get there. Uh, and and I think Dave, you mentioned it earlier, like almost like leapfrogging some of the basics. Like let's not do that. Let's get the basics yep. down, and then we'll get to where you want to go. But you mentioned about accidental AI. I actually think, like I saw um, a colleague of mine posted something about shadow AI. You know, we talked for years about shadow IT. I think there's the reality of shadow AI popping up in organisations where they've heard about Chat GPT or they've heard about these various different models for creating things or analysing things, and they're hugely powerful. And you get very enthusiastic, very well-intentioned people that go off and start to use those tools. But more often than not, just like with shadow IT back in the infancy of cloud, people storing you know sensitive company information on a on a you know a, a, a consumer uh, file sharing service or something like that, they're never doing it maliciously. You know the the, malici the malicious mm -hmm. actors are doing it anyway, right? The people that are doing it by accident almost are doing it because they just want to get stuff done. They want to benefit from the thing. 
And I think that's the thing we'll start to see with AI is that the risk of potentially shadow AI is like, hey, look, you know, Microsoft's really conscientious about this, has created some great guardrail services in the cloud. It's our cloud for, for solving some of these problems. Use those, Bing Chat for Enterprise and you know, Azure OpenAI service and the Copilot you know, tooling. That, those are the areas that you can start to benefit from some of these tools. If you're off out on the open market using the off-the-shelf services that are out there, you can't have the governance in place that you need to protect your data. So there's definitely a conversation the industry's got to have and is having with customers, with partners around how do you use these new technologies really effectively, but really safely. But I think the reality for a lot of the types of resellers that you know we're talking about here, for example, that's a happy problem to have down the line. But the reality mm -hmm. for a lot of the customers we're talking about is you know, they're on SQL Server that's no longer supported. How do we get them into a supported environment? They've got data that's really poor quality, or you know, or not very much of it. You know, how do we get that modernized and into the cloud environment? Talking about how we're going to then use the power of you know large language models and generative AI to supercharge their productivity. You can see like there's there's a there's a leap we've got to take to get there, and it starts with clearing up the house, getting into the cloud, getting AI ready. You know, and, and, and it's the same journey for partner readiness. It's like there's no good at going off and doing all your AI readiness and becoming an expert when most of your customer opportunity is going to be doing that migration stuff, get that nailed, go on that journey with them. Mm. Yeah, and, and, can agree, agree more with that. And, and, and Dave, you probably, you know, you probably have more interactions with partners more directly than, than maybe myself and James. I mean, do you think that, Many of the sort of partners that, or the customers that Tech Data have got, Tech Data, I've said it, the TD Cinex, you know, the, sorry, I know, I'm sorry. Um, you know, the, your partner community, are they looking that far in advance or are they still quite reactive? I mean, what, what's the general sentiment? Uh, you, you've, got, you've got both tranches on that. You've got, you've got those that, that have got that in the plan and, and they've got a plan. So they're, they're reaching out to us, they're reaching out to, you know, uh, resources available and doing their own research. And then you've also got people just forward sending, you know, stuff uh, because somebody's seen something in an article and they're like, oh, cool, we can do this. And, you know, we're very mindful and careful about, uh, you know, that kind of interaction. I mean, we saw it instantly with ChatGPT where people would just throw in a load of, you know, business PIM information just into a website. And they're like, oh, would you, sorry, I found, and then they found that same data the next day. The colleague has found it. It's like, great, yes, because you just put it into the, in, <laughs> into the ether. Well done. Um, but the thing is with CSP as well, and just with Microsoft and, and Azure and Modern Workplace and that, is that the fundamentals is all a part of the needs, you know, because the fundamentals and how they structure their business is the bit that's easier for them than me and our team. The rest of it we can do. They don't need to have solution architects you know they don't even need to have a full you know managed uh, managed proposition because because we can do that as well um and we you know we saw very early days with csp that we needed to have a much stronger proposition than we might have had say with you know um an enterprise hardware vendor in the day you know because that was going into a more mature market we didn't need to have as many network engineers then and so on and so forth but with csp we we can fill in all those gaps um but it's really hard to sort of fill backwards we try we have our practice builders and we have you know things you know content like this and we've you know the team's very well skilled and all that but um you know 
figuring out how a business organizes its finances is a lot harder for us to do than it is to take a, an Azure migration project and just deliver it, you know? Um, so yeah, so my advice to a partner would be just, just focus on the fundamentals, use us, you know, and the resources available from Microsoft, which are vast to support your journey and learn as you go. When you get good at one thing, great, make it your, your, you know, make it yours and move on to the next. And the same with the journey to AI. Don't leap to it and hope you're going to, you know, just leap out into the precipice and hope you'll grab onto it. I think, and it's interesting because I think you mentioned practice builder there. I mean, TD Cynix have got a lot of tools for partners to use, not necessarily you know, to, to do things for them, but to certainly talk about how you get or what foundations you need to consider yep. as part of this journey. And and it's not a massive investment of time, is it? We're talking a couple of days of... Days at most, know. yeah. Getting the right people at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right up for doing as many of those as you need to to make people a success. That's, you know, one of your main value adds, isn't it, from a business Absolutely. perspective? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not you know, it's, it's, it's not dealing with bids or dealing with individual quotes. It's about you know digital transformation at the partner level helping them understand where their value is and how that can then fit with you know one of the microsoft solutions and uh helping them with that and yeah we're more than happy to spend uh time time with that um yeah sorry james i I was just i think it's a really i think it's an underestimated valuable point in that partners who've been around a while know or are very used to getting a certain type of thing from their distribution partner. And as times changed, you know, and, and business models have changed and, and technologies moved forward, I think distribution partners have been through an existential crisis of what is the value we add in a recurring revenue cloud-based world where we're not, you know, worrying about freight and logistics and worrying about products and SKUs and all these sorts of things in the same way anymore. Mm. But I, But I think... People forget that actually distributors like TD Cinex have massively transformed their value prop and actually can do a huge amount to help partners. That means exactly to your point, like they don't have to worry about doing or building some of these capabilities because actually that's what their distribution partner can help them do. But mm. they often, it's like that thing of like, you know, you experience it once, you form an opinion on it, and then changing that opinion is really hard over time because you've already got that preconception. Yeah. It's like, if you've been around a while, maybe just you know pick up the phone to your your, your account put like contact and be like, hey, can you do migration work? Like, how do you help me? And I bet people would be surprised to realize just how much TD Cinex can offer that they maybe three, four, five, ten, how many years ago didn't that that wasn't available, but it, but is now. You know, how do you revisit that um, and just check before you go and spend a load of time doing something the hard way? You can actually get. Um, from you guys centrally, and, and there's a there's Absolutely. a set of layers on it. There's the, the sort of advice stuff. You know, these are the sort of things you should think about, and that that is a few days of content. You know, with with the business unit just to talk about things like practice builder and those sort of things. And then there are the outsourced services like the SOC services, like the the migration services. Yeah. And, and it is it's a really good point, James. You know, you know distribution and specifically TD Cynics have gone through a massive change, um, but are now experts in this field and it does genuinely add value to the channel i mean dave what, what I'm, you know i'm putting words into your mouth here i'm doing a little bit of a td cynic sales pitch but is there anything that, that i've missed out that you guys can offer that people should consider while we're talking about it um 
I, I'm, probably. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the, the, the you can't do might be a the better point thing. Is, yeah, the, the, yeah, the point is, 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 is a lot. I mean, we go all the way from, you know, simple, let's just take Azure again. We go all the way from, you know, advice on, uh, you know, partner center, how to navigate, um, you know, the uh, the Microsoft programs, you know, we're experts on all of that, uh, how they can make money and all that, all the way through to full-blown managed service for Azure, F you know, th through to uh, full data project, you know, and and, uh, and, and synapse use and, and, and managed uh, security operation center kind of offering. Everything mm -hmm. between those two things. So right from the, I can't read my invoice, through, I need a quote all the way up through all the migration offerings, and and we're not too proud to know that some some stuff that we're better partnering with somebody else as well. So we we will use the best in the business for data projects. We will use the best in the business for AI projects because we're not there yet, but we will be, you know. But just like our partners should lean on us, we lean on other people as well, um, because that makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and we can do the whole thing. You know, what I often say to a partner is, all you need is customers. You've got customers, we can do the rest. Hmm. Even down yeah. to telling them who to speak to and what proposition to talk to them about, because we have data on that as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole shebang, you know, which again, yeah. coming from 20 years of uh, enterprise hardware, we didn't need that level of, of control management and, 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 you know, a proposition, I guess, because it just wasn't as broad and the partners weren't as many and they weren't as, um, you know, um, not further away from the goal, but uh, they're, they're earlier off in their journey than the, than a 40 year old dying the, uh, dying the wall network, uh, you know, firm would have been. So yeah, mm -hmm. just, just, just ask us if we can't do it, we'll probably thinking about it. Oh, we'll know somebody else that can do it. Yeah. So I suppose you know, in, in summary then, so the accidental Azure thing, there's probably no excuse for it. It might be okay short term, but actually getting the foundations in place is sensible, yeah. but there's no excuse for it in the context of the fact that both Microsoft and distribution have got loads of tools out there to help you set that journey out. Yeah. And actually it's sensible as a business you know, in, in the service provider in the channel generally that you, know, you need to make your own mind on what you want to do before you get into that position. But actually that's not a big lot of thoughts and realistically td cynic certainly can help you with those sorts of thought processes as well um so so you know there's no reason why this should happen and in terms of sort of call to action then if, if partners are sort of resonating with some of this thinking oh i've got a couple of azure customers and they're quite small but they could be quite risky you know it what what's the what's the one or two things they can do i'll start with james and then uh, david's making the call me pick up the phone sure. pick up the phone I was gonna say, yeah. that, that would be my first recommendation is if you've got a sniff of something you think you can do, an opportunity that's come in, you know, because the customers come to you with something, or you've got an idea of a direction you want to take your business in. Like, it's like the old BT adverts. It's good to talk, right? Just pick up the phone, speak to someone, chew the mm. cud, talk about, talk it through, and leverage that expertise that ha you have around you by being in that ecosystem to help you figure it out. Like, don't try and just push your way through to the solution on your own, because there's, you know, probably more than a century or more of collective learning and expertise sitting at the end of the phone or the other side of an email desperate to help you be successful go use it like go go call it mm. and, and if you're a bit shy on the phone the email address is csp.uk at tdcynics.com um yeah. but you know i think most people are 
you'd you'd hope that people would engage with their account managers to ask these sort of questions. Um, so yeah, so so like I said, I think we're sort of running out of time a little bit, but you know, really appreciate your thoughts. I actually think this accidental Azure thing is a really interesting thing because it's not just Azure; it could be future technologies, and partners should be actively encouraged to engage with their distis to support that, them on their journey as a business, such that they have made conscious decisions to do or not do things, not necessarily just follow the. Uh, couple of quid they can make on a, on a customer opportunity um james yeah. dave as ever fantastic to see you we've all got envy of james's setup because he's got for those of you not watching on video he's uh he's got the best camera and he's got a fantastic background and dave and i've just got the backgrounds of our study so uh, yeah but but you know that's how <laughs> things work when you're a professional um yeah, anyway so lovely to see you both um Thanks, no doubt we'll have more conversations like this over the coming months absolutely i hope you have a lovely you too. thanks cheers, guys everyone. cheers bye see you soon